everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the BSOC Bulletin podcast by the UNSW Business Society. I'm Adrian and I'm here with Brittany today. And this week we're going to be talking with William Zhang. And Will graduated at UNSW in 2017 with a degree in commerce and he majored in marketing and finance. Alongside his journey, he has founded his own photography and videography business called Hypothetical and he is currently working at Deloitte Digital as a data, marketing, and technology consultant. And just to begin with, how have you been, especially with lockdown and everything, Will? Been good. Um, I mean, working from home's always relatively welcomed, but just been keeping myself sane by going on runs. Yeah, sounds good. I, I enjoy running as well. Just to kick things off, are you able to give a brief overview of your journey from university to where you are now? As Adrian's already introed, I did a three-year um, commerce degree um, with the rationale of not exactly knowing what I wanted to do post-university. So in terms of the very beginning, I was always that kind of guy who was looking to join societies and seeking a bit of the extra edge from extracurriculars. So dabbled in yeah quite a few societies like you know MSOC, BSOC, Unistubby Consulting Club, UMCG, all those kind of societies to begin with in I guess MSOC and UMCG were first year. And then as I kind of matured a bit, going towards second and third, um, in being more precise in what I wanted to do, and that's where a BSOC and um, Unistubby Consulting Club came into the picture. For people who seek stimulation from, you know, general problem solving, I thought consulting was a good career path. Hence, I sort of geared myself towards that. And with, I guess, a general interest in marketing, that sort of led me down the path to where I am at the moment as a marketing diary and technology consultant at Deloitte Digital. Yep. So I guess aside from that, like you also have your own hobbies and interests, like leading you to make your create your own photography and video business. What kind of sparked your interest to pursue hypothetical? Yeah. So I've always, I guess I've always had an interest in like arts and culture and music's been a really big part of that, more particularly like electronic music and I guess a lot of rock as well, like indie and shoegaze and whatnot. So at the time when I started university, I picked up a photography camera and there was just always this principle in the back of my mind where I was like, oh, you know, I've always been more of a practical learner. And at that time, while I was learning the ropes with my camera, I was like shooting landscapes and like friends' birthday parties for free. I was kind of like, oh, like, you know, how far can I take this? How far can I push this? I guess it ropes in a lot of, sounds very cliche in the context of 2020, but a lot of like self-help kind of principles and like a lot of self-exploration, like what you can do in life. So I started cold calling and like cold emailing, like a lot of publications. And then um, once I got, started getting paid, like it wasn't very well, but started getting paid from that. I kept trying to rope up to the next level of, okay, like now I want to start shooting directly for artists. Um, then I want to start touring with artists like around Australia. And then I guess the next frontier was like internationally. Yeah, that's where it kind of um, ended up. And it all really just started from me having a particular interest and having, I guess, a particular hobby that I picked up and just merging the two to keep myself busy as well throughout university. Yeah, I think diving more into specifics, I think a common challenge that people, especially freelancers, tend to face is being able to find those first few contacts and being able to secure a client. And in light of this, how did you take the initiative to go out and find people that wanted photography or videography work? I think I'll talk from the perspective of when I started shooting for artists directly. And it's a pretty funny one because like a lot of my learnings really overlapped with consulting. 
like my current sort of day job. And some of it's relatively obvious. It's, you know, a lot of it's like people skills, knowing how to properly communicate, setting expectations, and obviously providing a good quality output slash deliverable. Some edge things I found were just being like, at the time, given it was a very core interest of mine, like music, I was really hyper-focused and like really like, I guess, wide is the word in what was going on in that sphere. And in addition to being relatively disciplined and like relatively fast learning, picking up the tools, like the creative tools that were available, that kind of rubbed off where despite not being the most like extroverted or charismatic kind of guy, a lot of like artist managers and even when I was working on like teams with other like photographers and videographers who were much more experienced than I was, they could just see that sort of passion and like level of, um, I guess, attention to detail kind of shine through, which is what put me ahead of the crowd despite not being like a full-time freelancer. Yeah, I think definitely. And leading on to like further development, how did these kind of contacts lead to eventually getting larger gigs, such as being able to work on the set for Field Day and like other national festivals alike? Yeah, it was because the music industry is so network-based where going back on the point of, you know, just being in the know of like who was knowing, like who knew who, what was going on, um, who was releasing what, what labels, all, all that kind of sphere. I guess the most distinct thing, like an example I could give was, I remember I met this guy at Listen Out 2016, and this was when I was just shooting for publications at the time. And I noticed, you know, he had done stuff back when Stereosonic was a thing, um, content for like DJ Snake and like Diplo and all these big EDM acts. So DM'd him on Instagram. And then, you know, I think he kind of took me under his wing and saw me as this young, like budding, like person who was really into obviously capturing like live music. And he got me um, down in Spilt Milk with Slumberjack, who's this like trap and like bass act. And then when I did the recap for them, Field Day was coming up. So this was Field Day 2017. And then I knew that, okay, like Slumberjack, like an artist I really wanted to shoot for, which was Alice in Wonderland at the time. You know, they're in the same scene and they know each other. And I'm sure like their managers know each other or whatnot. So I just like sent a cold email out and just made sure to kind of structure the information in a way. It was like, hey, like I shot for like, you know, one of your buddies very recently, you know, do you reckon I could, you know, shoot for you guys as well? And at that time I was a bit optimistic in a way where I was doing Fours tour with Alice Alps and Alice in Wonderland was also playing Fours festival as well. So I kind of doubled in like I'd be at Fours so I could probably make a full, you know, like like a pretend like tour recap for you guys despite not actually being on tour for that one and they really liked that sort of initiative so I guess that was an example of like scaling and like kind of rolling that on to like further opportunities and I guess it's almost in the sense of conventional like white collar career it's cliche like you've got a mate who works at a specific place like you probe the information and kind of ask oh like what do you do in your role like this is what I currently do I think like I'd be a really good fit like you know can you give me a bit more info and like maybe give me a referral it's yeah I guess like that kind of thinking goes like hand in hand, I reckon, um, regardless of like the industry or field. Yeah, I guess in a similar but somewhat different vein, like have you ever experienced any major challenges or setbacks from running your own freelancing gig? Yeah, definitely like a few. I think the most major one in terms of setbacks, like, you know, not not landing gigs because either, um, again, it's such a network-based thing where, you know, an artist or a specific event has their like their go-to guy and I guess that's a bit of a unavoidable inevitable sort of thing but it ties into that general balance of like at uni I was also working like a part-time job at CBA and like not to discredit a commerce degree although like it was relatively light in hours relative to like I don't know like computer science or like any kind of STEM degree um, there was still a bit of time balance going on and 
I'd have to effectively like turn down things on either end, like basically a, a set of compromises. And that kind of, given my mindset at that time was like all about like positive serendipity, like just put yourself out there, you do a specific thing, it's going to roll onto more opportunities. And it always felt a bit personal when I couldn't do something because I was like, oh, like I wonder what opportunities could have like respired from doing that specific thing. Aside from that, it'd probably be moments where I didn't manage expectations properly. I can think of like one or two cases of that and they've been really good like learning experiences where I've sort of like let down the artist and and thankfully like it didn't sour any kind of relationship that was built. Yeah, I think definitely there would be some major challenges when you are running your own type of initiative. It from the way that you described it, it sounds like there's quite a process to organizing the gig and then even when you do get that gig knowing who to shoot what to shoot are you able to go through some of the logistics of how do you know what to do when you're on the set that's an interesting question like fortunately um live music is relatively running gun like i guess the risk is there's only one sort of opportunity where you can capture and get the footage and shots that you do want so if you screw that up, then that's sort of big L, like very colloquially speaking. In the in the very early days, like being very idealistic, I'd come in with kind of a plan or a blueprint of what I want to do, um, what I want to shoot. And then I kind of realized that I was only hitting about 50% of that purely because there's just other things that came up. Like sometimes the artist wasn't in the mood to like do a small, like a directed shot, like beforehand that would feed into the recap or just something just didn't transpire. So I kind of adjusted that sort of framework and just thought, hey, like the best approach is just to get as much footage as I can and then and then have that sort of creative process apply more towards the, the editing phase. But that's not to say like during the actual like show itself or the you know, the pre show or after party or whatnot, anything around the that it's being very quick and thinking on the spot in terms of knowing what would be interesting to capture. Yeah, I think that's that was generally my approach. But I guess in a nutshell, like one, having a very loose, I guess, test and learned sort of framework, basically running gun, but also having like, I guess, one to like five more planned shots in there if it's video. And over time, with experience, with anything, you kind of get a rough feel with intuition as to what the general like schedule is of what you're about to shoot. The second, you know, obviously having my gear list in check, basic logistics around flights or like accommodation, transportation. Third one, the end deliverables. So like if I'm building raw footage, which is kind of the trend these days as opposed to recaps or like other creative medium that feeds into something else. For instance, if I was getting like footage that would feed into like a music video or something like that, that's the general process. Obviously, it seems like you've had a lot of success in this area and you've mentioned that a lot of it is based off like networking skills and knowing who to reach out to. I guess for people who are looking to begin in freelancing but have no prior experience or networks within that realm, like do you have any recommendations for them with how to begin? So for example, like creating, maybe creating a portfolio or website or how to network with potential clients. As with anything, you need some kind of foundation to demonstrate to people what you're doing and what you're about and what you'd like to sort of aspire to get into. So the first thing is, you know, work with yourself on a solo project or your close friends or someone within your network, you know, that you meet at university, like, yeah, basically doing that. And then, you know, obviously having some kind of medium to probably communicate that through so that in the case of freelance photography, videography would be a portfolio in terms of sites, like there's so many good like CMSs out there. Like, I mean, I use Squarespace, like when I started, 
um, that's a good one. Obviously, there is a bit of an upfront cost, but I'm, like I'm, in terms of like the domain or URL, I'm sure there's like a free sort of iteration where you've got whatever CMS is like appended to the URL. So once you have that kind of ready, it's really about how you scale that upwards. Um, so I guess setting realistic goals and reaching out to people who are doing things that you want to do. So A, they can either give you advice or tips. They could, if you're really lucky, potentially mentor you or like bring you onto gigs um, that would really blow up into more opportunities. Yeah, that would sort of be the next step. And then a lot of it's, yeah, a lot of it's really just putting yourself out there. And again, positive serendipity, opportunities turn into other opportunities. Um, you need to tell people what you're doing. Um, obviously, don't over-exaggerate, but still tactically craft your words as well, where people are probably more inclined to give you opportunities because they know you're very eager and you're very hardworking. The other thing is like attention to detail like and be passionate about whatever you're doing or whatever you're freelancing with. If you're like absolutely wired, like your reward system is just geared towards a specific thing, like you're obviously going to consistently learn and develop, going to be on the pulse of whatever's like new, whatever's feeding in. And that's just going to feed in with the rest of what I mentioned before into a lot of good opportunities coming through. Yeah, I think definitely it's some good advice for anyone that is looking to freelance themselves or take their own initiatives. From the skills and experiences that you've learned and applied from running your own freelancing gig and business. Do you think it's been relevant to other roles that you've had, such as where you are now? In terms of the cross-transferability, it aligns relatively well with consulting because at the end of the day, there's deliverables, there's clients. It's the general like soft skills that you need, obviously being organized, managing your time, communicating effectively. I think more broadly and talking on like the lower scale because I'm sure there's people who obviously who aren't freelancers who have a proper full-fledged business with a service or product that are way up there but I think in doing your own sort of project there's obviously a bit of a sandbox that you need to navigate through where there isn't any structure or like routine or rigidity it's not like a white college job where there's like kind of teased like progression or like roles everything you do has to be carved out for yourself and ties into like just emails, like networking, like talking to people, like what you want to do with, like where you want to take your work pretty much. I think that kind of mindset just seems to align very well, like in a trickle down approach. Like if you do work in corporate, it's pretty much like a more advanced version of all the soft skills I mentioned earlier and just kind of provides like an external way of approaching problems and thinking as well. We're just going to move um, a little bit further back in time, back to when you were at UNSW still. We noticed that, yeah, you had quite a involvement in case competitions and in particular like uh, international cases and what so. What are some of the strategies that you use to perform well in them, but also what made you passionate about pursuing them in the first place? I originally got into case competitions because going into like the general field of consulting was where kind of my you know, career compass was taking me. So naturally, you know, doing case competitions, practical experience, that seemed to be like the next logical step. So that's how I kind of got into it. In terms of when I started out, like I noticed that high achievers were going into like Unistubby consulting clubs. So I was like, oh, like, you know, this would be a, be good to have a crack at it. Um, it was always pretty funny because I was always typically more of a loose cannon in terms of like the realm of like case competitions. And this kind of is going back into my 
the point I was going to go into in terms of, you know, have the fundamentals down pat, like structured problem solving, like, you know, issue trays, all that kind of stuff, that good stuff that I'm sure, like, you know, many societies are probably running workshops on, you know, in the early phases of the semester or I guess tri trimesters now. But for me, like, I always played the role as the guy who was more, like, you know, marketing orientated. I could use a lot of creative tools like Photoshop and whatnot. I always played as the guy who can make really good mock-ups in extension. That was kind of like a bit of, that was kind of my niche a little bit in case comps. And that worked pretty well where, and this is the next point I'm getting into, like you can have the most like down pat sort of solution, like you fully analyze the case and whatnot. But if you can't present it or can't properly communicate it, then all that work is really a bit of a waste. So the execution matters almost as much as you know, the journey to get there. So yeah, presentation skills, being able to think on your feet, talk on, talk on the spot, in addition to having a very, like a knack for like visual communication and laying out and structuring information is really helpful as well. Because some of the time with case comps, like the judges, they, they probably have other stuff running through their mind. There's much more room for subjectivity. Definitely need to play a bit more into storytelling and emotion as opposed to just cold hard logic. But I'm probably speaking from the ones I've done. Yeah, I know that with consulting societies, a lot of the times they form you into teams and like actually have you guys fly out to do international case competitions. I guess like linking to that, like what have been some of your favorite memories from a case competition experience? So, so the one I went on was the Asian Business Case Competition in Singapore, which was hosted by Nanyang University. This was about September 2017, so during the tail end of my time at UNSW and then when we were actually doing the case we went pretty like hard at it and we basically made it to the finals in which we came second um, and I guess that kind of outcome was obviously a really good um, but more so because there was a slight drought like for a few years where UNSW hadn't placed top three in a case comp but you know as of recent UNSW has like been killing it. Yep so all that sounds super great but now we might move more into your current role as part of the marketing data and tech team at Deloitte Digital. What does your current role entail and like how does it sort of link to your experiences at UNSW? So in a nutshell I work within the marketing technology space. Um, it's a lot to cover but imagine everything behind the scenes of I guess a uh, omni-channel customer journey. So the tech behind, you know, stitching data across different touch points to build a customer profile, you know, serving recommendations or next best actions to customers, like automating campaigns and comms execution across all the different channels like EDM, SMS, offline and store, um, social, uh, all the various like ad mediums, um, and of course, like online um, landing page personalization. So in terms of some of the vendor platforms that tie into that, That'd be Salesforce Marketing Cloud. That's inclusive of Interaction Studio, you know, Google Marketing Platform. So I guess the general sphere of analytics and tag management tools like GA and GTM and Adobe as well. And by extension, I guess dabbling with agencies or like other teams that deal with other platforms. So having that knowledge there as well, like for instance, Salesforce CRM, I mean, CRM platforms generally. In terms of the projects I've been on, they've varied in the type of work, industry, uh, duration, and of course the skill sets of the teams I work with. So with the quote-unquote typical project, if, if I was to put it in that way, the phases would typically fall into like, you know, initial discovery phase with like client workshops, design phase following afterwards. So advising like the solution architecture or solution design, then followed by the implementation, of course, the QA and testing phase. Outside of that, I've been on 
a few advisory and strategy pieces. And in addition to that, just some miscellaneous stuff, you know, around SEO, digital marketing. So I guess I've worked in quite a hybrid capacity on the projects I've been on. There's a core consulting and business analyst skill set on the functional side, but with some of the platforms and I guess involvement with the data processing and transformation, there's also a bit of SQL and Python involved and occasionally JavaScript as well in terms of some technical languages. And in in some instances, I guess, um, and I, I think there's some probably some of my favorite projects. Um, I've also worked cross-functionally with UX designers and front-end developers, uh, particularly when I'm playing in a like optimization digital analytics role. You know, when there's like development of a site or app, for instance. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely get to experience a range of different work, especially in those three buckets that you mentioned with like marketing, data, and tech. Reflecting on the mix of industry experience that you've had, freelancing and consulting, have you faced any other challenges in balancing the commitments for one or the other? Yeah, most most definitely. It's just, you know, you only have like 24 hours in a day and sometimes schedules clash. It was obviously a challenge during university and it became more prevalent, um, especially working full time. I think that like my rule of thumb is generally obviously, you know, flag in advance um, if I'm on a project with obviously whoever the project manager is and ensure that whatever my deliverables are for that particular week, I get them done early and obviously communicate that. I am fortunate that um, where I currently work, Deloitte Digital does kind of accommodate that and is relatively flexible in sort of working arrangements. So that's sort of been the like the, the approach or workaround to that. Have you felt that in your experience, you are leaning towards one or the other, or have you kind of been able to keep a good balance between both? I guess it ties very much into like you know what my purpose in life is what I'm actually interested in like what I'm inclined towards and at the moment I definitely find what I do at Deloitte Digital is like relatively stimulating um, obviously speaking very generally there's a lot of problem solving um, there's a very technical aspect as well although I did do a commerce degree I, I self-taught the Python a bit of JavaScript a bit of SQL just tied into that which I quite enjoy I enjoy the hybrid aspect of what I do at work and this kind of addresses the question the, in terms of the functional aspect, that's where I drew upon a lot of experience at university, like doing case competitions and creating in, um, you know, directorship positions at societies. That, that's I've, I've definitely found that's helped a lot um, in terms of the general like day to day like operation. It's like simple stuff like like flagging risks, blockers, like emails, like making sure that information is clearly structured and well communicated to people you're working on in the team. And yeah, just you know having that experience operating in a collaborative team setting early on in universities definitely helped with that. I'm pretty comfortable keeping that sort of hybrid approach at the moment, but obviously as I approach sort of that quarter life phase, I'm looking to expand outside of live music into more directed sort of pieces. So potentially into commercial work, which I dabbled in like very briefly earlier on and sort of gaining an interest within like the fashion slash editorial space. Yeah, exciting times ahead. Feels like starting from base one. So keen to see the path I want to take probably in like one or two years. I guess now we'll kind of be segueing into the closing section of our interview. So do you have any advice for students who are currently still at university? Yeah, I think the first one is obviously it, it, it's, it sounds so cliched, but the people you're in societies with at the moment that you're mates with that you've I guess even a bit of a stretch like been in group projects with 
there's line interest, like obviously keep in touch with people because you, you just never know like, you know, what people are going to do or what they're actually interested in years down the track. And some of these like can be like incredibly useful. The second is just cause a general crowd of people who are doing a specific thing doesn't mean it's the best choice for you to do it. Just always make sure that you sense check yourself and know what your values are, what you're naturally inclined towards. Um, and obviously on, on the other side of the coin, like what you need to get better at and then work towards that and set out that vision or that goal, like a five-year plan. Yeah, don't do things just because everyone else is doing it. I think those are the, probably the two tips. And if, you know, you're like, because at the end of the day, like there is obviously an aspect of from societies, from like case competitions, like, I don't know, hackathons or that, you know, there's a lot of practical experience you can extract from it. But there's also like the unspoken thing where it's like, oh, this really just builds up towards you, like guess, getting an internship or a grad job. And some people kind of miss miss the forest for the trees and lose sight of why they're doing a specific thing. So that actually wraps up all the questions we did have prepared. Thank you for your time, William, and thank you for your insights. I found them personally super valuable just as someone who's interested in freelancing myself. And I think like a lot of people who are listening will also gain the same value from it. No worries. Really good to chat to you guys. I can't believe it's 2021 and I'm talking to, well, the next generation of uh, publication directors. That's crazy at BASOC.